Hello, welcome to Flower Butter Eggs Sugar. My name's Kate. I'm the host of this podcast, which is all about home baking by a home baker recorded in my little kitchen in London. Um, I hope that you are all doing well. Today, we are going to be talking about different biscuits, savoury and sweet from the Eastern Mediterranean and biscuits for fasting and feasting. So some of them are nistissimo, which means they're suitable for um, fasting in the Greek Orthodox religion. And uh, generally, there's no animal product other than honey that that, that can be eaten um, for specific fasts. Um, some of them are from Jerusalem, um, the book by Yotam Otolenghi and Sami Tamimi. Um, and there's another different Sami Tamimi recipe as well. So kind of around Cyprus, Greece, and Palestine and Israel. That's that's kind of where we're going. Um, loads of delicious recipes. Uh, yeah, and as I say, a couple of savoury ones in there as well. So let's get started. So before we get into the recipes, I just want to do a little quick shout out to a couple of people as well as talking about the kind of inspiration behind this episode. So I wanted to just say hello to Hazel the Chinchilla's human mum, who's called Heather. Um, I was amazed that the account wasn't in fact run by a chinchilla. <laughs> um, but it's so lovely to hear from you, Heather, and thanks for following and listening along. And I also just wanted to say a quick hello to my colleague, Siobhan, who has been um, listening to some of the episodes. Hi, Siobhan. <laughs> it's so lovely that you're listening um, and hope that you're enjoying it, finding it relaxing um, to listen to me kind of geeking out about baking. Okay, so I want to talk about the inspiration for this episode. This is, I think, the first time in quite a long time, maybe in my lifetime, possibly, that Ramadan, Passover and Easter are all kind of, or Lent, are all kind of coinciding a bit. So they're all around this time, um, or starting soon, at least. Yep. So uh, that's, yeah, that's quite unusual. Ramadan changes every year. Um, Easter and Lent follow and Passover follow a lunar calendar and the reason why Easter is around the same time as Passover is that it's thought that Jesus was eating a Passover meal with his disciples so that yeah so it, it sort of should be around the same time whereas we don't have really any idea when um, the birth of Jesus was so the 25th of December in the Western Christian calendar is a pretty arbitrary date that uh, it sort of, it, it kind of helpfully coincided with former pagan festivals and things like Saturnalia, which, you know, it meant that you're not taking away a festival from people when you're trying to convert them, which is probably going to be helpful <laughs> in the conversion process. Because... <laughs> I think it's important in 
in really cold countries uh, such as this one in northern Europe that you have you know something in winter that you can celebrate because otherwise it's pretty depressing you know there's very little growing there's it's cold and dark and you kind of need something to get you through so anyway that's it's just very unusual that I think Ramadan and uh, Lent are kind of coinciding so that means that people from all of the different Abrahamic religions may even be fasting at the same time um so that's cool now obviously the fasting takes fasting takes different forms it just means that you are um avoiding something um or you're taking something away from your usual diet so in the orthodox tradition um or at least in greek orthodoxy you take away animal products except for honey so there's no nothing milk related nothing um no eggs also obviously no meat and i think that i really like georgina's book uh, hayden's book nistisema she she said she was asked a lot about vegetarian and vegan cypriot food um and greek food and she was like well we have loads because of our religion so um yeah that's kind of interesting isn't it and that's how she was able to write the book nistisema but also there's quite a lot of food in it from other countries too, other Orthodox countries. So, you know, Romania, Serbia, um, et cetera, et cetera, Russia. So yeah, there's, there's a lot in there. Um, but we're going to be talking about two kind of Greek biscuits really, um, from Nistisima. And in the Islamic tradition, um, during Ramadan, you fast and you refrain from all food or drink between sunrise and sunset. And that means that you can, when you break fast, it's called iftar. And that's, you know, a celebration pretty much once a day. <laughs> so it's very common to eat dates because they were meant to have been eaten by the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And so, yeah, that's really kind of common. So I've included a, re a recipe that uses dates, um, but also like celebratory sweet foods such as mamul, which we're going to talk about, are eaten during Eid as well, which is at the end of Ramadan. So actually there's two Eids. There's, there's, so I'm talking about Eid al-Fitr, um, whereas Eid al-Adha is at a different time and that's at the end of the uh, Hajj usually um the pilgrimage so yeah the two different two different celebrations this is Eid al-Fitr that I'm talking about um and Christians fast in lots of different ways so I've talked about the orthodox tradition um in Catholicism it's common to not eat meat um I'm from a Protestant background and there's not really one set way to do it so often people will actually do something more than they would otherwise do so they might pray more during lent they might give away money which is often which is common in um that's common in islam and judaism too at passover and um or pesach and for eid and ramadan um yeah or they might take away one food but i've always kind of thought just refraining from chocolate that's a little bit to me <laughs> 
it's a little bit weak compared to all animal products <laughs> or like no food or drink from sunrise to sunset. <laughs> but I'm not here to judge. I'm just telling you what my background is. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there's lots of different fasting traditions. Um, and Pesach is an extremely important Jewish festival as well. So um, people will often and fast kind of prior to it. So yeah, so we're going to be talking about, I'm going to give you the rundown on the recipes, tahino biscotto, which are store cupboard tahini biscuits, musto colora, which are made with grape molasses, and we're going to be talking about a, a sort of rustic date mamoul, so the individual shortbread cookies that are that are made with semolina and filled with dates. And we're going to be talking about walnut and honey, honey mamoul bars. So a rich, crumbly, aniseed-spiced short, semolina shortbread with a, a, a walnut filling that you then cut into bars or squares, in my case. And finally, we're going to be talking about kach bilmach, bilmalk. I don't think I'm saying that correctly. I hope that it's not horrendous. <laughs> kach bilmalk, perhaps. So these are um, common, I think these are really famous in Jerusalem um, as they are made by the Abadi Bakery, which are Syrians who moved to Jerusalem. Um, and they're like a really kind of dry bread ring thing, but they're really delicious and really nicely spiced. Um, and then because they're quite dry, they last for absolutely ages in, a, in an airtight tin, like up to 10 days. And you can have different spicings. So I'm going to talk about two. I'm going to talk about a fennel cumin seed and black onion um, seed version and a za'atar spiced version, which za'atar, if you're not aware, is a spice mix of, um, well, the, the herb za'atar or something close to it, such as oregano or thyme. And then sumac. Uh, which is a sort of tangy spice. It's absolutely delicious. I thoroughly recommend searching it out. It's great in salad dressings as well. Um, and also, so yeah, sumac and then sesame seeds. Yeah. So that's kind of what's, what Zatar is. So those are our bickies. Let's get started and talk about the actual recipes, shall we? So we're going to start with of the simplest recipe, which is tahino biscotto. So these are anistissimo biscuits, which means they're made with no animal products other than honey. They're also they also happen to be gluten free. They and fortunately they also happen to be absolutely delicious. They are Georgina Hayden's invention. Actually, they're not really a. I think there are a lot of like sweets in the Eastern Mediterranean, well, I know that there are, that use tahini or halva, uh, but these are her own invention. Um, so well done, Georgie. These are wonderful. I love them. And they are incredibly simple to make. All you really need is just like 
two bowls and a spoon, to be honest. Um, you can use a stand mixer, you could use an electric whisk, but you can, it's really like easy, they're really like easy to just pretty much stir together, like very, very simple. Um, and I think they're really delicious. They are not that sweet. So like, I feel like it's valid if you want to like put some icing sugar on in them or, um, you know, you can maybe add a little bit more honey or sugar. Uh, but then you'll need to balance that with maybe adding a bit more ground almond because you need something to soak up, soak up that extra liquid. I actually just like them as they are, though, personally. So let me know what you think. So they, the ingredients are as follows. 150 grams of ground almonds, a teaspoon of baking powder, quarter of a teaspoon of fine salt, 100 grams of tahini, 90 grams of honey, and then between 15 and 25 grams of sesame seeds for decorating. Um, 15, I'd say, if you want to sprinkle the sesame seeds. 25, if you want to roll, which is what I did, which I actually really liked. Um, so, as I say, two bowls. You basically just want a dry bowl and a wet bowl, uh, in terms of the ingredients, that means. <laughs> so, in your it dries, you'll whisk together the ground almonds, baking powder and salt. You'll notice that that's a fair amount of salt for these ingredients because it's fine salt. But I thought it was really good like that. I really liked the sort of salty sweet vibe. It was really nice. Um, then you want to put, then in the other bowl, you want to whisk your tahini and honey together. Now, natural tahini, a bit like natural peanut butter, loads of different nut butters, um, the must that I'm going to be talking about later, the grape must it sort of separates and that's not a bad thing. That's because it's a natural product. Um, now I find that I kind of like go in with a spoon before I spoon it out, just kind of like get it going a bit. So I don't just have, um, the oily top bit. You also get some of the, um, the more sort of, sort of like substantial texture as well. If you like the more, how do I describe this? The thicker bit, right? You want, you want a mixture of the thicker and thinner, ideally. Um, and then, because otherwise it's kind of, I don't know, it's going to change the texture quite a lot of your biscuit, basically, and the, potentially the flavour. Okie dokie. Um, you also want to have your oven at 180C, um, which I should have maybe mentioned at the start. Um, then you want to roll it into balls, 12 different balls, and then either sprinkle with or roll in the sesame seeds, pat them down a little bit, um, and then put them on the lined baking tray and bake for eight to 10 minutes. And they don't need a whole lot of baking. Um, that they're still quite a soft biscuit. But that's, I think, exactly how you want them. They're very sort of delicate and melt in the mouth. So I really liked these. Some of my colleagues really, really enjoyed them, especially my lovely work wife, Lou. So these come recommended from me and them. Um, so yeah, try them out if you want. Um, okay, next up, we're going to be talking about Musto Kulora. Uh, so these are made with grape molasses, which I found quite difficult to find, um, at least in real life. 
um, you can order this online. It's it's basically like I think just like concentrated grape juice, like re- very heavily reduced. Um, it just tasted to me. I grew up actually drinking grape juice at, at church because I'm from the Methodist tradition where there's no alcohol in churches, and often people don't drink themselves either. And um, yeah, so uh, our communion was uh, made up of fluffy white bread. <laughs> it's very different from a Catholic wafer. Fluffy white bread and grape juice. Um, that was the the sort of bread and wine. Um, anyway, so it tasted to me like grape juice, um, and but delicious um, and sweeter, obviously. And it's like quite kind of gloopy. Uh, I would recommend shaking the bottle because I found that um, it separates in the bottle um, if it's, yeah, if it's not kind of emulsified like in the factory or chemically or something. Just natural grape molasses does separate. Um, If, like, it is, I found it quite difficult to get hold of and very expensive. So I feel like this is one I'm not really going to make often. Um... I will, I feel like it's, great molasses is delicious. Like it's actually would be so good in loads of other things as well. Um, And a bottle does go a fair way. Like you can do quite a lot with one bottle of it. Um, So I think it would be lovely in like salad dressings, for example, especially paired with a bit of red wine vinegar and olive oil. That would be phenomenal. Um, plus salt and pepper obviously um yeah I think it there's lots of different things you can do with it but it is a really expensive ingredient and I'm not sure I don't I think there it's a really nice recipe but it's not like completely knockout in my opinion um it's quite a traditional Greek biscuit so it's one of those where it's like if you don't grow up with this you probably aren't quite as nostalgic about it as Greek people are you know what I mean um, but it is it is really nice, don't get me wrong. I found that it was better the next day. It's a little bit like Leibkuchen in that the spices like mature. So I think it lasts a few days and I think it is better the day ne- the next day. The first day I tried it fresh out of the oven, I found it quite like bland, but the spices definitely matured overnight. That's worth, that's, that's like worth thinking about. Um, traditionally it is spiced with cinnamon and cloves and I, so what I did with this, it's different from what Georgina Hayden told me to do. I kind of really loved that great molasses flavor and I felt like it wasn't strong enough just in the biscuit. So I actually used it as a glaze for the biscuit and then dipped them in chopped hazelnuts. Whereas she suggests, um, that you dip them in dark chocolate which neither of these are traditional by the way but um yeah so she dips it in dark chocolate and then rolls it in sesame seeds or hazelnuts um so that's what I liked to do with it and I think it just meant that you get more of that grape molasses flavor like if you're telling people this is a grape molasses biscuit you kind of want it to taste of grape molasses you know what I mean so um Cool. So let's talk about the ingredients. Now I'm going to go through the ingredients to make 18 to 20 biscuits. I, if you want to make 
more, the recipe is on the website with all the other recipes. It's flourbuttereggsugar.com. Um, and please do go and look at that because there's some really lovely pictures that I've been taking of all of these different bakes. And when on some of the podcast platforms, you don't get any pictures. And, I, <laughs> and um, on some of them, you just get, I can only put one, on, you know, next to the episode. So you don't get to see all of the others. So I'd really appreciate it if you had a look because um, I'm quite proud of these. My food styling and photography has definitely improved since I started. I mean, it's definitely not you know, professional yet, but it's definitely like getting there. It's like really much better. Um, and on the very, on the occasion that Gemma takes a photo, they're even better, you know? (laughs) Um, so any, any what's let's get talking about this. So as I say, this is for half the recipe for 18 to 20 biscuits. I just find that a more manageable amount to eat if you're a small household and I have a small oven. I know a lot of you in North America have lovely large ones, but I do not. So it's easier for me to bake a smaller batch in my oven as well without, because like the different shelves are different, very different temperatures in my oven. Um, So this means that I can just do like one massive baking tray's worth basically. So it's some of the measures are slightly odd because I've halved it basically. So just to let you know. So you want 250 grams of plain or all-purpose flour, half a teaspoon of baking powder and half a teaspoon of baking soda or bicarb if you're, you know, I think the Australians use that too and, and we use that term in Britain. You also want half a tablespoon of ground cinnamon an eighth of a teaspoon of ground cloves and an eighth of a teaspoon of fine sea salt. And then you want, this is where the slightly odd odd amounts come in, 88 grams of grape molasses, 55 grams of honey, 58 grams of light olive oil. And then you want a tablespoon of orange juice and 25 to 50 grams of finely chopped toasted hazelnuts. I'd say it depends if you want it to taste really nutty um, to how many you want to use. And it depends if you want to kind of like roll them in nuts or just like sprinkle them over, which is much easier, by the way, um, and how heavily you want that sprinkle. So for this one, you want to don't preheat your oven yet because there's a bit of a resting time. So start by whisking together your dry ingredients. So your flour baking powder, bicarb, baking or baking soda, whatever you call it, cinnamon, cloves and salt. And then in a separate bowl, you want to whisk together quite um visi- quite kind of like um what's the word? <laughs> aggressively. I I used an electric hand whisk for this. You want to whisk together your grape molasses, oil, honey and orange juice. Um, and you have to, I'd say you really want to do that either really, really vigorously if, if you've got strong arm muscles or with, yeah, with um, a, a device, you know, a kitchen gadget, because that you're essentially trying to emulsify water and oil, which isn't that easy to do. Um, but, you know, but the the other thing is you're going to add the dry ingredients. So as long as they're emulsified, it's, it's emulsified. You're then going to add the dries and then it's going to sort of, you don't, 
need to worry about it sort of separating over time. Does that make sense? Okay, so once they, you've got them combined, you then add your dries and just mix that together. Um, I did it, but with the electric beaters and then kind of like formed it into a dough with my hands. Um, then you want to rest that for 30 minutes at room temperature. Okay, so while that's resting, towards the end of the resting time, you're going to preheat your oven to 190C or 375 Fahrenheit, which is 170C fan. Divide it into 40 small balls, weighing around 23 to 24 grams each. Roll each into a sausage and then join the ends to form a circle or to form like a squished kind of ribbon shape, which is what I did. Um and then place on a lined baking sheet. Bake for 13 to 15 minutes until golden. Um, I am gonna warn you that the when you like, if you create this shape, it does look a little bit like a poo, like a poo emoji or something, um, but it is the sort of traditional shape. Um, if you add a glaze and stuff on top, it, it stops looking quite as pooey. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's, it did look a little bit like a poo. Um, okay, so once you've got those out of the oven, let them cool fully and then dip them in a little bit more grape molasses and then sprinkle with hazelnuts. So yeah, that's Mr. Calora with hazelnuts. Next up, we're going to be talking about the two different mamul recipes. I've really like, I'm really treating you to like how much work I've put into this episode today. Two different Greek biscuits, Nistissimo biscuits, two different mamul recipes, two different um, kach bilmach recipes. There's a lot. So um, yeah, let's, let's start talking about mamul, shall we? So mamul is essentially a kind of shortbread and that's kind of like made around the in the Arab world, Middle East. Um, and it uses semolina. Um, I feel like people probably know what semolina is, but it's one of those things where I don't know how common it is around the world in different countries. So bear with me while I just briefly explain. It's essentially uh, a product made with wheat, um, but it's it's coarser than flour. Um, it's a little bit like fine cornmeal or polenta, kind of how it looks. Uh, not maybe not not as quite as yellow, but that's kind of how it looks. But it's a wheat product. Um, it's actually used in some traditional British baking uh, as well as. Um, like semolina puddings and things um, it tends to contribute to like set puddings and stuff um, but yeah I've, I've not really used it that much actually in British baking um, in a shortbread it creates a really like crumbly texture um, can be slightly gritty um, if you we're going to use a negative word to describe it, but I actually quite liked that. Um, my partner wasn't quite as big of a fan of the texture of these, but I actually really liked them. Um, so let's talk a little bit about this recipe. 
so it they the other thing about mamoul is that it's a real celebratory biscuit um as i said before it's like often made for eid um and it's often kind of scented with rose water and or orange blossom water um and it's sometimes spiced as well so i've used maleb or malepi um it's just two different words for the same thing essentially um and i used cinnamon and cardamom in the filling as well um but not actually in the dough so the dough for about 30 biscuits is 350 grams of fine semolina 50 grams of plain or ap flour 50 grams of caster sugar a quarter of a teaspoon of fine salt 180 grams of unsalted butter um if you use salted obviously you can just take the salt out um a, a teaspoon of orange blossom water half a teaspoon of rose water a tablespoon of milk now if you've got very like if your orange blossom water and rose water are not as strong as mine mine are really strong then i would use more and i would skip the milk um i only really used that because i was trying to make up the quantity of liquid that they wanted me to use so that's something really important in baking recipes is that if you're trying to achieve a certain result you keep the same liquid quantity in the recipe um and the same ph as well i'd say you don't want to always add something that's very acidic because it'll react very differently with raising agents um but yeah you want to kind of keep the liquid content the same so that it has a you know the same consistency um so that's what i did and then i'm for my date filling i used 300 grams of dates a teaspoon of maleb or malepi a quarter of a teaspoon of cinnamon, a quarter of a teaspoon of cardamom ground, um, a tablespoon of some sort of neutral oil. I prefer preferred to use a vegetable oil here, like a sunflower oil, a rapeseed oil, grapeseed oil. Um, you could just use light olive oil. I think it wouldn't make that much difference. And it's obviously, there are quite a lot of olive oil biscuits um, in the Eastern Mediterranean anyway. And then you want two tablespoons of lemon juice. You could use um, orange as well, actually, but I really like to blend. Uh, that's my addition, by the way, is adding the lemon juice because I think I've seen it work really nicely in the recipes in Tava by Irina Georgescu. I think it sort of brightens the whole, the whole brightens the dates a bit. So I really like that. Um, okay, so. To make the shortbread dough, you want to put the semolina, flour, sugar, and salt in a mixing bowl, um, and then rub to rub in the um, butter. I'm really struggling with my words right now. <laughs> to a breadcrumb consistency using a food processor, dough cutter, or your fingertips. Then you want to add the liquids and then combine it. And then rest it for up to, for like 30 minutes or even better is a couple of hours at room temperature. I found, especially with the other recipe, that it did absorb more liquid if you are able to rest it for a little bit longer. 
Okay, so meanwhile, you're going to pulse up the filling mixture in the food processor. Just whack, you can pretty much just whack it all in and blitz it. Then you want to preheat your oven to 180C or 350 Fahrenheit um, or 160C fan. And then you've got your dough that's been rested, you've got your filling, and you now you can start shaping them. So using slightly damp hands, it's quite of a it's quite a balancing act because you don't want to add too much liquid to the dough. Um, but it is also quite sticky and you don't want it to just be all on your hands um, rather than making biscuits out of it. Uh, you want to weigh out 25 gram balls and then flatten them eat like one by one form it into a cup using your hand put about a teaspoon of filling mixture in it and then close that up with your hand with your fingers flatten it transfer it to a lined baking tray and then you've only got to do that another 29 times <laughs> um <laughs> they did they were really lovely and beautiful though and i think that's the thing with mamul a lot of people go to more effort than this, like these are rustic ones. So often you're there put in molds and you get these really beautiful patterns on them or they're like snipped with little tweezers into little patterns. Um, so yeah, you, you just got to do that 29 times, guys. Um, then you want to gently press each one with the tines of a fork to decorate if you like. Uh, and then bake for 12 to 14 minutes. You don't really want them to colour. You want them to stay really delicate. And that is my rustic date mamul. Um, I say my, it's kind of slightly adapted from a recipe in Jerusalem by Sami Tamimi and Yotamotalangi. By the way, like I do recommend the book Jerusalem. For me, it's not one that I actually cook out of a lot, but I do find it kind of like, I've cooked a few things out of it. I just find it really interesting, like from a food history perspective. And there's a lot of writing in there. It's not all recipes, um, which I do enjoy. Um, and I have tried a few recipes, but some of them are quite complex for like weeknight cooking. Do you know what I mean? So, but it was nice to try out a few more for this, this episode, I have to say. Um, Okay, so the other mamul recipe is for walnut and honey mamul bars. Um, these I made these uh, makes quite a lot, by the way. It makes about twenty-four little squares, and I do dished these out to my neighbours who really enjoyed them, as well as keeping a few for us, obviously. Um. And they do get more golden. So I, I feel like there's quite a lot of ways in which these are not a traditional mamul. But they are really, really lovely. And they have a lot of the flavours and textures of a mamul. So I hope that you enjoy them as much as I did. Let's talk about the dough ingredients. So 250 grams of unsalted butter. You could use salted, but they'll just be saltier. Um, 250 grams of fine semolina, 250 grams of plain or all-purpose flour, 60 grams of icing sugar. It's not much, is it? But it it they do taste sweet enough, partly because the filling, I think, is quite sweet. Um, 
a quarter of a teaspoon of instant or fast action yeast, a teaspoon of marleb or malepi, if you can find it, a teaspoon of ground aniseed. Now, I find this extremely hard to find, so I actually ground it myself in a pestle and mortar. Um, you could use more if it's pre-ground because the pre-ground stuff is less strong than freshly ground. And then you want some orange blossom water and rose water. I used a teaspoon of each, but do use more if yours is weaker. And then in order to make up the liquids, I used two tablespoons of water or milk. Um, and then there's also 60 grams of melted ghee as well, but you don't need to melt it for a bit. So I just hold your horses until you're ready. For the filling, you want 300 grams of lightly roasted walnuts. So I just spread them out on a baking tray and like roast them for like five to 10 minutes, at a very low temperature. You want 160 grams of a runny floral honey. So I had a sort of quite a floral honey, but it's quite a delicate one. And I also used a little bit of orange blossom honey, which is quite a lot stronger um, in, in how flowery it is. So I will leave that up to you. Half a teaspoon of cardamom and half a teaspoon of cinnamon and a teaspoon of marleb slash malepi, if you can find it. Okay, so to for the first part of the dough making, there's the dough. This is a it's like a recipe that's a bit complicated, but it is actually I felt like it was worth it. And nothing was hard. It was just like a fair fairly large amount of steps. So melt the butter, leave it to cool for five minutes, then mix it with your um, dries, basically your flour, semolina, icing sugar, yeast, marleb, aniseed and salt. Um, rest that for uh, four hours at room temperature or overnight in the fridge. Um, if it's, If you do it overnight in the fridge, it might go a bit hard. So I very, 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 very gently warmed it in the microwave for like literally like 15 seconds in order to be able to get it back to a workable consistency. You don't want it to be too hot, like, because obviously then you've got to then wait for it to cool down again, which is just annoying. Um, uh, or you can just pull it out of the fridge in good time and it, rather than tr having to actually heat it. So um, once that's rested, you want to grease and line a 12 by 9 inch tin. 30 centimetres by 20 centimetres and preheat the oven to 180 C or 350 Fahrenheit or 160 C fan. And then <clears throat> while that's pre, um, preheating, you can crack on with your filling. So blitz the walnuts in the food processor to a coarse almond flour consistency. Add the other ingredients and pulse to a nice paste. And then to complete the dough, this is the second stage of the dough making. Um, so that dough that you've rested, you want to melt the ghee and leave it to cool for a few minutes. Transfer your the rested dough to a bowl of a stand mixer. Then you want to add your ghee, rose water, orange water, 
orange blossom water and milk or water if you need them and beat to a lighter creamier consistency um, and that does really work it does get a lot creamier and that's kind of why you want it to be the the dough to be at room temperature rather than cold out of the fridge because you can't really achieve that if it's if it's too cold um okay and now you're ready to assemble which is you'll you might be glad to hear a very easy process so spread around half the dough onto the bottom of the tin top with the paste and then top with the rest of the dough and then bake that for around 30 minutes until golden on top leave it to cool for 10 minutes then score with a knife to make squares and then it's when it's fully cooled you cut it into squares so those were our two different mamul recipes one a bit more traditional with dates but still not using the kind of proper decoration necessarily more rustic but more traditional the second one is a bar that's kind of um a bit different but has a lot of the same flavors and textures of a traditional mamul um and it's really really nice um both of them were delicious i think my favorite was probably the the flavor wise was the walnut one but i might try making individual mamul with a walnut filling um you can also use pistachios that's really common as well um and you can use a mixture of dates and nuts as well. Um, so yeah, let's talk a little bit now about, let me try and say this, okay, <laughs> the bread rings. So this is from the book Jerusalem by Sami Tamimi and Yotamatalangi. Um, Sami Tamimi, if you haven't heard of him, is a Palestinian food writer and these are popular with all sorts of Jerusalemites, um, whether you're Arab or Israeli or Christian um, or whatever. Um, and obviously you can get Arab Israelis as well. <laughs> just pointing that out. <laughs> whatever your nationality or religion, let me just say that. That's easier to say. So, um, so yeah, these are kind of made famous by the Abadi Bakery, as I said, which are Syrians who moved to Jerusalem. A Syrian family that moved to Jerusalem. Having been on their lovely website, they've got quite a lot of different flavors. Um, and so I feel like you can go nuts and try out your own spicing, um, which is kind of what I did actually. Um, so I used a recipe in Jerusalem as my base recipe, but then I changed the spicing in both of these iterations. Um, they're quite, they keep really well. They keep for up to 10 days in a tightly sealed container um an airtight container but uh, they're also a little bit dry which is partly why they keep so well and so it's it's kind of really nice if you can serve them with a dip so you could just do some like garlic hummus actually that would be really nice or you could do the red pepper dip muharama you could do a dip made with tahini, yogurt, and lemon juice, one of my favorite things to make, which you thin out with a bit of water usually because the lemon juice can make the tahini kind of seize and get really thick. Um, so I tend to thin it out with water. Um, or you could even do a tapenade. Um, it could be bought, it could be homemade, like whatever you prefer. 
Um, I found a really good bought one actually that I served with it. It was really, really yummy. It was a sort of tomato and red pepper situation. Um, and a cold beer would be nice with this as well. Um, so there's two versions. We'll talk about just the, it's the same method. So we'll, we'll talk just through the method just once. Um, and then we'll talk through the spicing as well. Um, so I've put the two different recipes on the website. Um, and let's talk about the similarities and differences of the ingredients. So for both of these, they make quite a lot. Um, uh, I think they made about 40 biscuits from memory. Um, 35 to 40, something like that. I need to add that to the recipe before I publish it. <laughs> and um, for both of them, you want 500 grams of plain flour. For both of them, you want 100 milliliters of oil. So the original recipe specifies sunflower, but any like light tasting oil would be fine. So it could be grapeseed. Um, it could be a light olive oil. Um, like, and they're savoury. So, you know, there's it, not a problem using olive oil at all. You also want 100 grams of unsalted softened butter. Uh, you can use salted, so and then you would reduce the salt in the recipe. You want a teaspoon of fast action or easy, based, easy bake or instant yeast. It has various different names, but it's pretty much the same product. You also want a teaspoon of baking powder. So that's quite interesting, isn't it? And I think that from eating them, I feel like the main raising agent is the baking powder and the yeast kind of starts it off and maybe gives it a bit of flavour. You also want a teaspoon of sugar, um, seven grams of salt, with the caveat I specified earlier about the butter, um, a teaspoon of cumin seeds, one and a half tablespoons of fennel seeds, about 100 milliliters or grams of water, and an egg. So UK or EU medium or US, Australia, Canada large, whisked. Now, the egg is actually just for egg washing. So the size of it is not hugely important here. Um, I've only specified that because that's roughly how much you might need, but you might need a bit less, you know, it's, um, it's one of those. So don't worry too much about the egg. It's not even for the inside of the biscuit. And then you want two teaspoons of nigella seeds for the fennel, cumin and black onion uh, version. Now, if you make the Zatar spiced version, a lot of the ingredients are the same. You're still using cumin seeds, but instead of the fennel seeds, you use one and a half tablespoons of coriander seeds, which are one of my favorite spices. I love them. You also want a tablespoon of sumac, two tablespoons of dried oregano or thyme. And instead of the nigella seeds, you are going to use two teaspoons of sesame seeds. Now, if you can get hold of Zatar spice mix, but you can't get hold of sumac, 
and dried oregano or thyme, then you could just use three tablespoons of the of za'atar spice mix instead of those two ingredients. Um, and then similarly, you want the same amount of water and egg. So the method for both of these is you want to preheat your oven to 200 degrees C, 400 Fahrenheit or 180 C fan. You want to toast your fennel or coriander seeds and your cumin seeds for a few minutes in a dry pan and then crush them roughly in a pestle and mortar. They don't have to be ground finely, but I think it's nicer to have smaller bits rather than biting into like a massive coriander seed. Do you know what I mean? So that's what that's why I did it like that. And toasting them obviously brings out more of the fragrance within those spices. Um, so to make the dough, you want to put the flour in a bowl, mix in the baking powder, salt and sugar. Once that's mixed, add your yeast and mix that in along with the spices and or herbs, except for the nigella or sesame seeds because they go on the outside. Make a well in the centre and then add in your oil, butter and water and knead it to form a dough. Um, there's no resting time with these really. Um, so you want to just line a baking sheet. Um, oh, actually there is, sorry, but it's not at this point. Um, so line a baking sheet, form balls of about 25 grams, roll it into snakes and then pinch to form a ring, leaving them about two centimeters apart on your baking trays. Leave them to prove for about 30 minutes in a warm place or a little bit longer if your, if your room is cooler. They do not grow a huge amount. Don't worry too much. As I say, I think the main raising agent is actually baking powder, but the yeast does help it along a little bit. Um, once they've proved, you brush them and rest it a bit. Brush them with the egg, sprinkle with the sesame seeds um, or nigella seeds. Bake for about 22 minutes until they're golden brown. And then leave them to cool completely before you transfer them to an airtight container. So that is our delicious um, little bread rings. Um, I couldn't stop eating these. Um, they're just, you can easy, easily pop them in. I found that with all of these biscuits, actually. Like none of them, well, actually the, the mamul were fairly sweet. Um especially the walnut and honey ones, they were quite rich because they were buttery as well from the butter and ghee combination. Um, but with a lot of these, I found it really easy to just pop one in, pop another one in, pop another one in. So be warned, um, pay attention, <laughs> but they're really lovely and delicious. And I loved the two different spicing um, like mixtures. I thought they were excellent. If you want your um to be really golden brown i would say that this isn't specified in the original recipe but a little trick that i use is i use the whole yolk and then i thin it out with just enough egg white to make it like a brushable kind of consistency so it's less you know thin it out a little bit and that i find helps it to um 
get as golden as possible because the egg white doesn't really give color it just makes things shiny whereas the yolk makes them it, it kind of the fat in it and stuff makes it more golden brown and the color of the yolk is yellow as well so um that's my little tip on egg washing um you can also to these um or indeed to some of the other things too potentially um a smaller amount if, if it's sweet but you can also sprinkle on um, a few bits of flaky sea salt and that would be really really nice as well um so yeah that's our cask bilmalk or like bread ring things and i've been kate and i hope that you've enjoyed this deep dive into biscuits for fasting and feasting um all that's left is for me to talk about what is coming up next So I had to go and fact check myself because I was pretty sure, but I wanted to be 100% sure. And yes, Ramadan, Passover and Lent all like coincide a little bit this year. Um, That's really interesting. And as you probably know at Passover, it's it's avoiding leavened grain. Um, And I always see, especially um, from like American websites, there's always loads of Passover recipes, uh, baking recipes, um, which are really creative a lot of the time because um, they often can't use like flour and things. So, yeah, really interesting that all of three are coinciding this year. Um, cool. So what's coming up next is we're going to be talking about like kind of bread, um, but like enriched breads. We're going to be talking about tarragon pizza. So pizza, I've mentioned before, it's kind of like a cross between a cake and a bread, I would say. Um, often it's described as a cake, but it is leavened with yeast and it's not that sweet. Um, and there's lots of different flavorings that you can get, but especially during spring when it's in season, um, it's really common in Slovenia to use tarragon. And um, Gemma and I tried it when we were there. I loved it. So I want to make it. So we'll make that one. Um, I also am going to try my hand at making a proper Bulgarian Kozinak where you have a really stringy texture inside. And it's quite complex to get that, I think. So wish me luck. But I'm very hoping, very much hoping to impress my neighbor Svetla with that one. And I think I might, you know, come back home and also make some version of hot cross buns. Um, So, yeah, that's what I'm going to be up to. And I will talk to you again in two weeks. And I hope that everything is okay where you are. Um, keep, Keep yourself well if you can. Take care of yourself. And happy baking. Bye.
so my PS today is just to say that I've got a week and a half off work and I'm almost like overwhelmed with how many things I want to do in it. Um, so I'm going to have to kind of like <laughs> curb myself a bit, but I really want to try lots of new foods. I want to go out and eat, um, literally just on my own. Um, I have no problem with that personally. Um, I want to do some baking, obviously, of course. There's also some like boring stuff I have to do as well, um, like sorting out a new phone contract, um, chasing up an order that seems to have gone missing. Uh, but yeah, I hope to have a really lovely time um, off work and doing the things that I love to do. Also doing some pottery. Um, you know, maybe I can make some things that I can include in, in some food styling. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah, um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Take care and see you soon.